0: Been looking at the theme releasing the power for restful increase, releasing the power for restful increase, and God has been speaking to us in diverse ways from His Word. Uh, That banner that we you have on the screen is what we have been using to sort of follow through the topic. We envisage this as God made it clear to me some time back as the opportunity we have to be on a car, a faith vehicle. That is taking us to a destination of rest in God. And uh, the Bible makes us to understand that there remains a rest for the people of God. And what we understand is that rest is twofold for the believers. We have the rest of the times that we're in and the ultimate rest that is awaiting everyone who names the name of the Lord. And so as we go on that faith journey... We pick some things, there are so many things that helps to fuel us in that faith journey. And we started with the joy of the Lord, the peace of God. Last week we looked at the patience, having patience through trials, because trials have a way of promoting us, as God allows them. And then we also, by the grace of God, are looking today on the theme of the force of gentleness. We have taken this from the context of uh, the book of Galatians, which we'll read very shortly. But the principle of gentleness is a very powerful attribute that helps us to demonstrate our Christ-likeness. Christ was gentle. Christ is gentle. And everything the fruit of the Spirit represents is a symbol of who Christ is, that God wants us to be here on earth. And gentleness, basically, is uh, twofold. It is being humble and thankful towards God and at the same time having the uh, power to be able to uh, have people, show people kindness and show people uh, restraint. We have restraint towards people. So it's being humble towards God and being polite, being polite towards people, being self-restraining towards people. Now, when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, many of us know and understand that when the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, it's onefold. It doesn't call it the fruits, simply because they're all interwoven and they all are interdependent. So the fruit of the Spirit, as the Bible makes us to understand, the reason is that you will find that there are aspects of the fruit of the Spirit that mean almost the same thing, and some define one another. When we talked about patience, we say it's the patience, we say it's the ability to willfully wait. And we talked about we said it also means endurance. And when you look at gentleness, gentleness also has elements of patience. Because you cannot be patient with anyone that you you cannot be gentle to anyone you are impatient with. So when you look at it, they're all that's why the Bible calls it the fruit of the spirit, because they, they sort of define each other even by themselves. So it is a very powerful thing to understand. But when we look at gentleness, we're talking about that attribute that allows us to be humble towards God, accepting God's will for our lives, knowing that he is in charge of our lives, and at the same time, it helps us not only to live in gentleness, but uh, the, the will of God, but also it helps us to be thankful, that we are always living thankful. The Bible says in all things, we should give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. So it is a powerful attribute. It means that we are calmly, all the time, accepting the will of God for our lives, recognizing that he knows more than we know, and that we are gently following. This is not a weakness. It's not a lack of conviction. As a matter of fact, it is a strength of the faith that we have in God. The words kindness, even though kindness is is part of the fruit of the Spirit, it's also used to represent gentleness. Meekness, in some cases, is translated as gentleness. And as we know, meekness is also humility. So all these are attributes that are one piece, but when we understand them in the context of Scripture, God helps us to know how to manifest them as we depend on the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, from verse 22 to verse 23, um, Galatians 5, 22, thank you. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Verse 23. And then gentleness and self-control. He said, against such there is no law. Now, in helping us to manifest this, so we see that gentleness is part of the fruit that God wants us to manifest by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit teaches us to emulate the gentleness of Christ. Now, as believers, we need to see the importance of this very significantly. We, the Bible says that we keep looking unto Jesus, the author and the Finisher of our faith. We are modeling our lives. We must become like Christ. This is the ultimate goal of our lives as believers. And in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6 and verse 7, The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Isaiah 53. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He did nothing. And God put all our sin on him. That's why I like that song that the choir just sang. Despite it all, he still loves me. Despite it all. He, he, the Bible says we were the ones that went astray. We are the ones that turned everyone to his own way. And we're still doing so. And when I say we, I'm talking about the world in general. He said, but the Lord laid on him, the Lord God laid on Christ the iniquity of us all. And then that means that he... Because of that affliction that was laid, because of the iniquity that was laid upon him, the Bible says he was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before the shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. This is the ultimate demonstration of gentleness by Christ. Refusing to accept the opportunity to rebel, especially against something that was not really something that he committed. How many of us know that when we were, how many of us remember that when we were children, when we were all playing, maybe one, one of us broke something, touched the TV and smashed it. And you know, parents used to go crazy those days. It's not like nowadays, you know. Some of us grew up when televisions were like boxes like that. If you crash that, your, almost all your life will go because <laughs> they used to they, they would close it like that and put a lock because of people like us not breaking it. <laughs> That's what televisions looked like those days. So if somebody went and took the channel and broke it, that person knows that he's in a lot of trouble for a long time. So when papa and mama are out, the children will make a strategy not to say who did it so that it will be difficult to punish. And parents knew that that was the trick, so they punish everybody. <laughs> so when, when, they are, when they are scolding everybody, the one who did it will be begging the others that, I know you are doing this for me. Thank you very much. And those ones will say, I'm suffering for you. You must cover me tomorrow. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it's more painful for the ones who did not do it. It's much more painful than for those, for the person who actually did it. Jesus did not do anything. And you can imagine him being oppressed, being afflicted, being not opening his mouth. You can imagine him being taken to the slaughter by mere mortals, people he created. Because the Bible says he created all things. Taken to the slaughter by mere mortals and nailed to a cross. And as a sheep before its sharers, he remained silent. He did not open his mouth. This is so important. That is why when Paul was speaking to the Philippians, in Philippians 4, 5, he says, This same way, you also must let your gentleness be known to all men. We have a duty to demonstrate our gentleness to all. We have a duty to make sure that everyone we come across, believer, unbeliever, child, adult, man, woman, whoever they are, the Bible says we should let our gentleness be known to all men because the Lord is at hand. That is Philippians chapter 4 and verse 5. So this is an important attribute. And when we understand gentleness and the benefits of gentleness, we will see why. One of the reasons why we don't manifest aspects of the fruit of the Spirit like anything we don't do with Scripture is because we do not understand the benefits to ourselves. Many of the things that the Scriptures ask us to do don't make sense to the mortal mind. It takes the Spirit of God to make us understand how those things work. So I want to quickly share with us about five things that I believe that are the elements of gentleness that must be part and parcel of our lives. The first thing is that we must be people of humility. For us to demonstrate gentleness effectively, we must be people of humility. And I'm going to read a lot of scriptures and just talk around them to help us to understand these things much better. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus was with a lot of was with his disciples, and then children were being brought to him. Many children were coming to him. They wanted to, 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 for him to carry them and, and play with them and all that. And the disciples were saying they should not let the children disturb him. The Bible says, But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Verse 16. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. He said in verse 16. The Bible says, and he took his hand. Verse 16, sorry. And he took his hand. Thank you. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. He said, if you are like these children, you are blessed. And what he showed them there in blessing the children is what he does to everyone who is humble, who is gentle, who is meek, submissive. Why did he qualify children? Because we know the attributes of children. Children find it very easy to believe. Children are very easy to please. Children have little uh, conflict in terms of just accepting what they are told. And we know that as children grow, this changes because this is a natural phenomenon with human beings. But he said that this is the kind of heart that everyone who comes to him, who wants to be a part of this kingdom, this is the kind of heart they must have. They must be like children. Verse 15, say, assuredly I say to you, who does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child? who is not humble, will by no means enter it. Receive it with the simplicity. Receive it with humility. Humility is an aspect of gentleness that allows us to experience God's blessing. The Bible says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. It does not all go well with our philosophy of today to be self asserting to, to know how to sell yourself, to know how to do those things that, you know, have become sociologically acceptable in our societies. It doesn't ag- agree with it. Now, whilst you should not shortchange yourself, yes, you should sell yourself. If you can do something, if they're asking you at an interview, can you do this work for us, or do you have this experience? Don't say, I'm a very humble person. I don't want to exalt myself. No, that's not that's foolishness. <laughs> you say, what well, you can do. But you say it with this attitude of humility. In fact, a lot of people have lost jobs because of this little thing. They went there and they were telling the panel that they know more than them. So by the time the people finished and the person left, they said, This one, the the director of the group said, I cannot take this one because he will take my job one day. (laughs) Let's go to the next one. You know, in the name of wanting to sell themselves, there's no wisdom in it. If you are talking to somebody that is is in a position to help you, if you discover that there are certain things that you know and they don't know, you have to use a lot of wisdom to know how to convey those things to them so that you don't put yourself in a place where you actually resisted. The Bible says that you must be like a child. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, it says... Therefore, prisoner, I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling where which you are called. Verse 2 says, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. We need to be humble. We need to be humble to God and we need to bear with one another in love because this is what lowliness is all about. Always seeing yourself always seeing others better than you, not because you are having an inferiority complex, but because you understand that in order for relationships to work, you give preference to others. How many of you are trying to counsel somebody and you know very well that this thing you want to tell them is what they should do, but then they are sat in front of you and they are telling you everything else, and you are trying to get a word in, and you are trying to get a word in. If you are not gentle, you will just leave the meeting and say, okay, since you know all the problems, so, go away, bye-bye. <laughs> Hallelujah. But with the spirit of gentleness, you will calmly wait. You'll calmly wait. Because you know you want to help them. you calmly wait. If you have young children and they're growing up, they come to a stage where, like Ron Kinoli said many years ago, they suddenly discover that they've known everything. And then you you have to find a way to gently help them to know that, you know, yes, you've known a lot of things now, but you know there are still things that I need to let you know. So we need to find the spirit of gentleness. You need to go by the spirit of gentleness to walk with them in in still being able to communicate. The Bible says with all lowliness and gentleness. This is one of the biggest problems in marriages. I'll be talking a lot about some of the things that affect our different lives today. This is one of the biggest problems in in marriages. Couples must understand that we have to deal with each other in lowliness and gentleness. Lowliness and gentleness. With long suffering, always bearing with one another in love. So that is a very essential element, and we must never lose it. If you want to be blessed and promoted and lifted in this kingdom, you must be gentle. The Bible says, blessed are the meek. That's Matthew 5.13. You don't have to turn to it. It says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They shall inherit the earth. Inherit the earth, there doesn't mean that, like, like our brothers in the Jehovah Witness will say that they are going to take over the earth after everybody has gone. That's not what it means. It means that you will manifest the dominion mandate. The first thing God sent to man is that you be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion on the earth. So when you are meek, God gives you your access to dominion. He gives you access to those things that will give you dominion. He gives you access to creative ideas. He gives you access to favor. He gives you access to information. He gives you access to right location. Do you know that some people have just been blessed by this, by simply being located in certain places? Many people's lives have changed just because they, were, they bought a property somewhere, and then suddenly that property either needs to be taken over by government or they found some resources. That used to happen a lot in the states. In the southern part of USA, there were a lot of oil deposits that many people did not discover in time. And a lot of people in the 50s and 60s became multi-millionaires by just simply buying property innocently thinking they want to build a house. And then suddenly oil is discovered in their houses, and their life never remained the same again. Things like that. God just does supernatural things. Now, not everybody will have an oil rig in their garden. But then there are many other things that God does to people who are lowly, who are gentle, people who are humble. Pride is very off-putting. If you want to go far in life, you have to have said this so many times, you have to deal with every element of Pride. And the people who will tell you about pride are usually the closest people to you. They are the people you would resist when they are letting you see that pride is manifesting. Whoever you are, whoever you are. So we need to use that as a leverage and use it as an opportunity. And God will continue to help us in Jesus' name. The second thing is we have to be people who walk in forgiveness. So we have to be people who walk in humility, but we should also be people who walk in forgiveness. This is an element of gentleness that allows our prayers to be unhindered. The reason why many prayers have been hindered is not because we are not praying, but because of this simple fact. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, In this manner therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Verse 10, Your kingdom come, your will be done on us as it is in heaven. So when we pray, we pray to God the Father, hallowing his name, showing him that our total reverence is to him. We are praying to him. He said, your kingdom come, showing him that we understand that this earth is an earthly kingdom that must continually receive the colonization of heaven for us to function as kingdom citizens here on earth. He said, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Knowing that the will of God is always different from the will of man. It's always different from the things that we face here on earth. But by prayer, we pray it all the time. This is why the Bible says, this is the confidence that we have. If we pray according to his will, he hears us in First John five fourteen, He said, then we pray that he should give us this day our daily bread. We should pray. This daily bread doesn't just mean what we eat. It means give us our daily life sustenance. The things that we need on a daily basis. The Bible says your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. On a daily basis, you need revelation of how to go about. The Bible says the labor of the foolish wearies every one of them for they do not know how to go into the city. You need a daily revelation of how to go into the city, how to keep taking steps, how to respond to certain calls, how to reply certain emails that you did it in one way yesterday does not mean it works again today. How to to be sensitive to the things that you need to do in advancing your career. Those are the things that we pray are the daily bread. And then he said, pray also like this. Verse 12. Let's read verse 12 together, everybody. Shout it if you can. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Very important. It is a given that you are a person who forgives your debtors. Jesus was the one that taught the disciples to pray like this. If it was not important to forgive debtors, he would have said, we should just pray. Like he did not say, give us our daily bread as we give bread to others. You see? I just thought about that. (laughs) He never said that. He didn't say, give us our daily bread as we give daily bread to others. But when he got to forgiveness, he said, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Because it is expected that you are a person who forgives debtors. He said that if you go, if you want to pray, you've come before the altar, you want to pray, and then you are seeing that, you remember that you have something against your brother. He said, before you continue praying, go back and resolve. Forgive. Unforgiveness is a limiter in the prayer uh, realm. Unforgiveness hinders prayers. It makes, it renders prayers useless. How many people in church life today continue to worship Sunday in, Sunday out, and have people in the same congregation that they have not yet forgiven. Not to talk of those that are not in the congregation or those that are in the extended family. Don't even go to that place. (laughs) That is, I've gone too far by going there. (laughs) Let's just start with inside the same church. Joyce Meyer said that those days, you know, Joyce Meyer is a very funny woman, very blessed woman of God. She said those days... She will come to church very angry with her husband, Dave. This was like 30, 40 years ago when she was just coming up in the faith. And uh, she will be, when they are praying in praise and worship, she's with her husband, but because she's angry with him, is that when they lift up their hands and they say, bless the Lord, bless everybody. She says she will even pray and say, Lord, bless everybody here, but don't touch this guy. (laughs) Don't touch this guy. He's a very mean guy. (laughs) That she was in so much of a rot that there was nothing like forgiveness in her diary at all. But, you know, she has a very, very, very cruel background of abuse and all that. Some of us know her story. So she was coming from a place of hurt, no doubt. But it was so bad that she, could, she found it very difficult. She wanted to serve God. But then God opened her eyes to see that the more she was not forgiven, the more her ministry was limited. And God began to open her eyes to see how she must live in forgiveness. Colossians chapter 3, the Bible says in verse 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, you are holy, you are beloved. Put on tender mercies. Kindness, humility, meekness. You can see all those words coming together again. Humility, meekness, long-suffering, which is patience. He said, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another... Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. This is important. One of the reasons why we find it difficult to forgive is because we forget that Christ forgave us. If we remember, one one thing that makes it very easy for me, and I will tell you the truth... One thing that God has used in the last few years to help me to see how easy it is to forgive others is the fact that I remember constantly how much God extends mercy towards me as well. And so it becomes very easy. Am I saying that it's, a, it's, a, it's something that should be encouraged, that people should live anyhow because they have to be forgiven? No, I'm not saying that. We don't do things to people intentionally and say, you know, you must forgive me. We must understand that gentleness demands that we walk in forgiveness, not just because we want to forgive, but because Christ forgave us first. Where we read, those of you that joined online or haven't uh, known, where we read our Bible reading today was from 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We read from verse 6 to verse 21. Round about verse 7, he said, What have you received that you have not been given? Why do we think that we are in a position to forgive somebody after being forgiven by Christ, and then we think it is too much for us to do? Why should we think so? The Bible makes us to understand that we must be a people who are forgiving, even as Christ forgave us. He said, "As Christ forgave you, so also you must do. As He forgave you, so also you must do. Couples. Again, I will say to you, stop holding things against each other. Stop holding things against each other. Talk about things and move on very quickly. Talk about things whoever should ask for, whoever should apologize should apologize and move on. There is nothing wrong in apologizing twice the same day. It just shows you are human and you are a work in progress. There are people who say, you apologize about this same thing in the morning. This evening one, I will not forgive you. Because if you have really repented, you will not do it again. If God, David said, if God will mark iniquity, who will stand? Who will stand? Why do we deal with each other that way? God doesn't deal with us like that. If God dealt with us like that, none of us will be here. None of us will be here. Again, I'm not saying it's a, it's a, it's a blank check for us to behave the way we like. But we must live ready to forgive quickly and move on. Not just with couples, with our brethren. As long as you have dealings with people in this life, you will offend them and they will offend you. Till Jesus comes, we don't like it, we don't wish it, we don't want to do it, but you know what? It's so easy to offend and it is so easy to be offended. We have to make up our minds that we don't want to make it easy to offend. And we don't want to make it easy to be offended to the point where we don't forgive. Let us always remember Christ. Look at Jesus Christ and Peter. Just look chapter 22. He said the devil seeks to sift you as wheat. And the Bible says that Peter was looking and he said it can't happen and all that. And we know three times he denied Christ. He denied Christ. And he was taken to the, the, the of course, he, Christ was, was crucified. After Christ rose, he went and looked for Peter, John chapter 20. Fantastic stuff. And he said, Peter, do you love me? He asked him three times, the same way he denied him three times. Confirm to me, do you love me, do you love me? Because God, Christ understood that if he was to allow the devil who was seeking to sift Peter that would have been one of the hindrances to the church that he was about to build. And don't forget, he had told Peter that there is a revelation that he had that upon it he was going to build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail. Why do you think the devil always goes for the best relationships? Most of the time, the most viable relationships in your life that will lead to a lot of good things will be tested. And until you learn how to walk in, in wisdom with people, you will continue to lose out. I have some business associates that I've worked with in this country for almost 20 years in some cases, whereby at times it will seem this is the end of it, I will not work with this person again. But the Holy Spirit will just say to me, keep calm, resolve this issue, move on, and then we resolve it. After about two years again, something happens, and then it it, it just works again. And it has gone on like that for almost 20 years in some cases. And I used to tell my wife about it. I will say, remember this person? At times, you go through a lot of things and God will make it work. And it's the same thing even in church life. A lot of people are frustrated from working with others in church or being part of a church that they should be simply because they are refusing to understand how to simply forgive. May God continue to give us wisdom in Jesus' name. And then I want to talk about the third thing on compassion. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. The Bible says, Brethren, if a man be subject Sorry, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of what? Gentleness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Many people do not understand that a falling of a person today is a situation that anybody can be at any time. He said, those of you who are spiritual... Because you are the Mr. Spiritual or the Miss Spiritual today, you could be the one that is being helped tomorrow. Hmm. God have mercy. He said, you you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. This does not mean we condone and compromise with evil in, in our midst. No, but it simply means we put on a spirit of gentleness to always be ready to help up anyone who is down. Sadly, today, the body of Christ is full of very vicious people. People who knock down those who are falling the more. People who even shout crucify him to the man who is already crucified. People who will shout kill him, throw him out, is useless. That's what we say about all of them. They are all the same thing. They will shout those kind of things. But that is not the way God wants us to be. The fruit of the spirit of gentleness says we should restore. Spiritually restore means that we are not accepting the sin and we're telling the brother or the sister this is wrong, it should not have been done, but we hold them dearly. How many of you have ever taken your child because they did something wrong and you carried him and put him in the black bin and told the bin people on Monday, say take him away? <laughs> or even they recycle, and so they take him and go and recycle him to another family. <laughs> How many of you have ever done that? If you don't do that with your children, so why do you think that you should do that to God's children? Why do do we put God's children in the bin when they fall? Please, friends, this has nothing to do with saying that we allow everything to go and we compromise. Far from it. But rather, we live like Jesus. They drove a woman caught in adultery, not about to be caught in adultery, not thinking about adultery, not that she was in the house that she was about to commit adultery. A woman who was caught in the very act, she ran to Jesus' feet. And Jesus said, ultimately, Jesus said, has no one condemned you? He said, no one, Lord. He said, neither do I. Neither do I condemn you, but do what? Go and sin no more. The correction is that she should stop the sinning, but he is not there to condemn. John chapter 3 verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Why are his sons condemning one another? We should desist from it. We go to social media, we hear that people have fallen, and people have done things, especially people who are in the forefront and people are quick to write things and type things. While those things are not good, while it should not be encouraged and we're not encouraging that, that leaders should not understand the responsibility of being in the body of Christ, we must all understand that it is not acceptable, it is completely unacceptable for us, not to, be, for, for us to be a people who are continuing to condemn with the devil. The work of the devil is to condemn. He is called the accuser of the brethren. Anytime you accuse your brother or your sister, you are joining the devil to do his work. Let us not be accusatory. Let us be people who are compassionate. In Titus chapter 3 verse 1, it says, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey and be ready for every good work. Verse 2 says, to speak evil of no one, regardless of what the situation is. Speak evil of no one. To be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Verse 3 says, for we ourselves, we were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived. We were serving various lusts and pleasures. We were living in malice. We were envying. We were in hateful and hating relationships. We ourselves were like that. If not God that saved us. If not God that delivered us. So we must continue to remember, even if your life was never this bad, even if you were never this cruel in your living as disobedient, deceived, you were not serving lost the way you like, you were not born again at a point, which meant you could have gone to hell as well. Remember, Christ redeemed you by his precious blood, and he is not a condemner. He is not the one that has come to condemn. He is not the accuser. Let us stay with him and be gentle. Say to your neighbor, be gentle with me. I will be gentle with you. Very important. Be gentle with one another. Many of us don't understand that the secret of longevity of relationships is this very point. I have a friend, my friend in Poland. Those of you who have heard the story that uh, when we were living together back in Nigeria and uh, 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 thieves broke into my house... And I was sort of driving them out in the name of Jesus, and he was there. He, we speak from time to time. I went to see him with the family a couple of years ago in Poland, and we had a nice time there. And at times, we, we don't talk for like six months at times. We chat a little on Facebook. But you know something? At times when we talk, we can talk for two hours, just thanking God, appreciating God, you know, we were talking about when, when we were young, and one of his uncles passed on. We were just about 13 that time, and the man was 45. And how we saw that man as a very old man when he died. <laughs> and we were looking at our age now, and we were saying, that means we're very, very, very old now. If, <laughs> if 45 was very old those days to us. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's longevity of relationship and recently he was sharing with me some challenges he had with, 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 with some personal matters and just because this is online, I can't go into details, but you know, I told him, you know something, I passed through the same. I passed through the same. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. Longevity of relationships helps you to be gentle with one another and it helps you to keep going for a long time. Again, I would say especially with spouses, be compassionate. Be compassionate to your children. Children will not always do the right things. They will not. At times, they will, they will really, really do the wrong things. Not that they are trying to do the, wrong, the right thing. They actually go ahead and do the wrong thing. Be compassionate in restoring them in gentleness. Be compassionate. Remember that you also were once foolish, disobedient. You didn't always sit where they asked you to sit. You didn't always do what they asked you to do. You always did something that was wrong. You have to remember every time. I told you when I was young, when I stole plantain. I don't know what got into me that day. I've eaten plantain many times in my life, but that day the devil possesses me. (laughs) I was about seven years old, something like that. And he just drove me to the kitchen to go and steal a hot plantain. And as I was taking it, putting, just about to put it in my mouth, I didn't know that I have not reached the end of the, the door. So I was still with the frame. As I turned back, my head just hit the frame of the door. And my head started swelling, swelling like that. As soon as I was trying to keep the thing, as the swelling was going, I shouted, involuntary shouting. So everybody rushed there, what is happening? This is the plantain I stole, it hasn't even entered my mouth. This is my head, swollen like this. <laughs> my father just looked at me, said, you have got your reward. <laughs> he said, I don't need to say anything anymore. anybody, you have got your reward. My mother said, what is wrong with you? Why did you just ask for plantain? Today they fry plantain in my house, I will walk past it. <laughs> Not even seeing that it was there. For every time I remember you this thing. What you did to me. We were kids. We do things. We do things. Some of my colleagues would jump fences to go to parties at night in school. They would skip skip the fence. In the middle of the night, pass through cemeteries and do all kinds of things. Just to go and dance for one hour somewhere and drink something that they cannot come back to the hostel until they are sober. (laughs) And God spared them. Some of them are pastors today all over the world. Let us always be compassionate to our children. I'm not encouraging any of those things, but let us always remember where we come from. Then graceful speaking, number four. We need to speak gracefully, gracefully. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 14 says, remind them of those things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Let your words be seasoned, the Bible says, with salt, as with grace, as with salt. It's like when you, are, when you are seasoning food and you are putting salt in it and it's tasting better. He said, let your words be like that. You continue not to strive. Don't strive with words. Be graceful. Every time you speak to somebody, speak with an intention to build them up. Even if you are trying to correct, speak with a deliberate attempt to build them up. One of the things I really, really cherished about English communication, especially in formal settings, is the fact that you always have to come from a position of positive, even if you want to criticize. So you are in a team and something has gone wrong. You are about to go into a lot of trouble because somebody has messed things up. You have to start from something positive. The fact that you are all still there is positive enough to say, well, we've had this now. And then you gently introduce the negative thing so that you can put it in such a way that you are trying to get out an answer. Some of us did not train with such backgrounds. (laughs) I say no more. (laughs) So we need to understand. We learn it. We learn it. And if we learn it even in the culture around us, we should use it in our homes. Use it to your wife. Use it to your children. Let them see that there is a positive in everything. And then you come from a place whereby you are now able, you see, Just coming hard and strong and negative always puts more burden on somebody that is already burdened. Somebody that is already troubled. We need the wisdom. Proverbs chapter 15, the Bible says in verse 1 and verse 2. Sorry, Proverbs 15 verse 1. He said, a soft answer turns away wrath. When you answer with a soft answer, it turns away wrath. He said, but when you use a harsh word, it only stirs up anger. The two says, the tongue of the wise uses knowledge, what? Rightly. Use your words. Be careful. Think before you speak. One of the reasons why God put the tongue in that cavity called the mouth that can open and close is because you can keep it closed before you speak. You think first. Keep it closed while you are thinking. Closed. Shut. While you are thinking. Then when you have thought about what you are about to say, open it. That's why God did not put the tongue outside that it can just be flimping anyhow, anyhow, anyhow. (laughs) God put it in a place whereby you can first keep it closed so that you are thinking and thinking and thinking. This thing I'm about to write, and it's not only in words. When you're about to send that email, I've told you many times, somebody sends you an email that is very damning, the devil will say, reply now and reply hard, quick. Tell this person off, quick. Don't waste time. This thing must not go cold. No, that is the time you should leave your computer. (laughs) (laughs) Leave it completely because you will type nonsense. So you leave your computer, leave your tablet, whatever you are using your phone to type, and go and pray. Say, Holy Spirit, help me. (laughs) I need to reply, but I need you to help me to reply. Then you will find yourself writing constructively at something that would have left. The Bible says that when you use the soft answer, it turns away wrath. It's a soft answer. It will turn away wrath. But when you use a harsh word, it only stirs up anger. The devil is always looking for you to stir up anger. Again, couples, when one person is on the heat and they're going about it, going about it, going about it, don't join them in it. Don't join them in it. Find a way to just calm down the situation by giving a soft answer. By giving a soft answer. Some of us don't know that, the, that there's, there's power in touching. Somebody is heated up and they're really heated up and you just prayerfully, prayerfully go to them and you touch them, say, calm down. <laughs> say, don't touch me, <laughs> don't listen to it. <laughs> then use the right words, <laughs> calm down. And then you suddenly find that they're calming down, they're coming down, but you stay from afar. You say, you talk to me like that, your father, your mother, all of your people in your village, that's how they talk, that's why you're talking like that. You have stirred up anger. (laughs) May God continue to help us in Jesus' name. It was Peter J. Daniels that said, ruthless logic is a sign of a limited mind. When you are ruthless about your logic, you are not thinking about your logic. It shows that your mind is limited and you are not depending on the Holy Spirit. Finally, I want to just say, let us learn to embrace and share the truth in the spirit of love. This now talks about how we minister to people, particularly those who we are trying to win to Christ. James 1.21, the Bible says that therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Receive with meekness the implanted word. Receive it. Be humble enough to let God tell you what to do. Because it has come to you in meekness, it has saved your soul, then you also must be keeping the same attitude in speaking to others about Christ. He said, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Friends, learn to speak the truth gently. Learn to to speak in a way that you are not arguing and you are being overbearing. People will not always see things from your perspective. And that's fine. Learn to accommodate differences. Learn to understand that, that, that the fact that you give birth to a person doesn't mean they have to reason like you. Learn to understand that the fact that you are married to somebody or you work in the same organization with the same goals means that they have to exactly align with you all the time. God knows why he makes us see perspectives differently just so that he helps us. How many of us know that most couples are usually diametrically different? One person is very much on social media, the other one has no time for social media. One person is very much a quick talker, the other one talks gently and picks words gently. In most cases, hardly do you find couples who are the same in everything, everything, because it would be dangerous if they are. So God will always make us different, not because we should be fighting, but so that we can complement each other. When we see things from different perspectives, and it's the same thing, we have a holistic approach in attending to it. One likes to spend money a lot. The other one doesn't like to spend I didn't talk about man or woman now, so don't. But the reality is that one person spends money. Somebody say, men don't spend a lot at all. But when they spend once, some of them spend heavy. A <laughs> man will say, I'm not spending. I don't. You say, I've not bought anything all this way. You are the one spending. What was she buying? 50 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds. But the man went to shop. One day, he bought computer, bought a headset, bought everything. 1,002. <laughs> And he said, I've not gone to the shop for six months. I just went this once. <laughs> yes, once, but what is the value of what you bought? <laughs> you know, we need to know how to balance those things. So when he's going like that, just follow him and, and calm him down because <laughs> he's going on that once in a six-month uh, spending spree. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let us learn to share the truth in love. The Bible says we must be wise as serpents and we should be gentle as doves. Sorry. Where's my Mark? Mark chapter 10. I was looking for Mark chapter 10 verse 16. Okay, I don't have it here. I said, Who I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves? Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Thank you. No, no, that's fine. I was, Matthew ten sixteen is what I needed. He said, Be wise as serpents, be gentle as doves. Where we read during our Bible reading, we are reminded that in verse 13, Matthew, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, he said, being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been built as filth. We have been made filth of the world and the offscouring of all things until now. There is reward in being gentle. I was reading 1 Corinthians there, chapter 4, verse 13. We have been built as people who must take on things. Don't give up easily. God is counting on you. Jesus came and demonstrated gentleness. He wants us to demonstrate gentleness. I want you to know that wherever God wants to take you in this life, you will get there. I say you will get there. In the name of Jesus, just be gentle. Take your time. Let God help you. You don't have to fight anything. And I, I'm trying to balance this because, yes, you need to be forth. You need to be forthright, pushing. Don't be complacent. That's that's fine. But do it in a moderation, not ruthlessly. Some people can be so ruthless because they are looking for things. They are looking for a position, so they are ruthless in the workplace. Be gentle keep pushing. On Friday, I had the opportunity of speaking to the Nigerian Society of Engineers. After a long time, I became a registered engineer with them in the very, very early mid-90s. And uh, there were over 100 and something people that were in attendance, and I was told that it was over 200 and something people that subscribed. So, anyway. In the audience were quite a lot of people. Some of my own big mentors were there on the day, just last Friday, because it was on Zoom, so everybody's uh, sort of web, it was a web conference, so everybody was in from everywhere. And uh, one of my lecturers was there, somebody that taught me over 30 years ago, 35 years ago now, who taught me structures. He was there, and I recognized him, and he sent me an email after to say, Thank you, David, for that recognition. It means so much to me. I said, it is the foundations that you gave us those days that is helping us today, that we can be talked about as international consultants because of what you did for us. But you know the truth? The first four years that I finished my graduation, I went to apply to the same body. And I was, I was, I was failed in my professional interview the first time. I was failed in it. But I kept on, I kept on, this was 1993. In 1995, God helped me to become a member and the rest is history. Speaking on that platform that day, I remembered that, I didn't share this bit with them but I remembered all that in a flash. How could God take you from a place where you were first rejected almost 30-something, almost 40 years ago, where you were first rejected, about 35 years ago, where you were first rejected. And then God brings you to the same platform to be a guest speaker, talking to a lot of people, some of the people who were on the panels that failed you the first time. Only God does such things. Friends, I want you to know that there is nothing, and I repeat, absolutely nothing, that God has proposed to do in your life that he will not do. Keep walking in gentleness. Keep trusting him. When people want to bring uh, fracas and stress and strive your way, stay in the spirit of gentleness. Overcome evil with good. And God will continue to do a new thing in your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let us bow down our heads.